want to make a podcast, let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters. And it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. From Showtime and A24. What do you love most about Whitney? Comes a new series unlike any other. Where do I even start? Academy Award winner Emma Stone. I like how you fight for us. Nathan Fielder. Money doesn't really matter when it's about doing the right thing. And Benny Safdie. You guys are strong, right? At the end of the day, you're going to survive, right? Next question. New episodes of The Curse, streaming now on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Russian E320 lands in a field. United loses more than 10,000 feet. Air Force pilot training, UPT 2.5, just becomes pilot training. The Russian merchant of death running for office and has learned how to use a smartphone. We cover this and more in today's Lowdown with Afterburn Podcast. Sam Watt, stroke eight, nose five, low. Switch, negative contact on your... Break right! Stroke three, defending, nose... Welcome, thanks for listening in. This is a new segment which we started last week, so round two. I appreciate any feedback you will send my way. You can do that via the AfterburnPodcast.com. Hit contact or subscribe to the newsletter. And once you do that, you can reply and send me an email directly. I appreciate all the feedback. This appears with our newsletter. Again, that's linked down below where you can join in and stay up to date and things that are happening in aviation, defense, and geopolitics. I'll look at it so you don't, or at least bring awareness so you can go look at it more. All right, taking the week off over in Russia, a URL A320 had a hydraulic failure, ran out of fuel, and subsequently forced to land in a field. They were on approach into Musk, Russia. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong with 159 passengers on board, six crew members on final approach at about 2,000 feet. They had a hydraulic failure and subsequently initiated a go around. That seems fairly normal. Not knowing all the details there, but I'm going to go figure out what's going on there. After initiating the go around, they determined that they needed a longer runway and it elected to divert. En route on that divert, the crew, according to the airline, was monitoring their fuel usage, which was fine. After crossing the point of no return, the fuel quality suddenly began to critically decrease about 70 nautical miles short of their top of descent. The crew did not wait until the fuel was exhausted, but began to immediately prepare for an emergency landing. They spotted the landing site, and with only five minutes of fuel left, they landed with 200 kilograms of fuel left. That doesn't seem like a whole lot of fuel. No one was injured. The plane obviously sustained damage, which is pretty incredible there. So... I'm not sure where I actually ever find out what went on there, being Russia. On that note, September 13th, United Airlines had a cabin pressure loss on the way to Rome, Italy. Newark to Rome, they had 270 passengers on board, 14 crew members at flight level 370. They initiated an emergency descent. I think this one actually popped up in Fox News, and it's a sensational headline. You know, United Airlines flight loses 28,000 feet in 10 minutes. <laughs> They're doing about 3,500 feet per minute on the, the descent there. It's aggressive. You're going to spill your coffee, but you need to get below 10,000 feet as soon as possible. I'm envisioning there's probably pictures out there of oxygen mass dropping out at 37,000 feet. 
if you have a rapid uh, loss of pressure there, you're not on oxygen, you probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of six to 15 seconds of useful consciousness before you become hypoxic, pass out. If you've seen uh, these planes that are getting intercepted recently or over the last few years, Payne Stewart is one that pops to mind where they chased his Learjet all the way across the country almost. Loss of pressure, they could see the frost inside the window, no one's responsive, and the plane just flew till it ran out of fuel. So losing cabin pressure is a serious deal, especially up at those altitudes. They'll say a passenger reportedly reported the rapid descent, and then a short time later, the captain made an announcement that could not be understood. He's going to be in an oxygen mask. It's going to be most likely loud in there, but they're doing what they need to do. All right, back to Russia. Remember this guy, the Merchant of Death? It was released for NBA or WNBA star Brittany Griner. He was spending 15 years in a U.S. prison. Bout is his last name. He is back in Russia. He's learned how to use a smartphone, and he's running for local office in a city I will not even attempt to pronounce. This comes on the heels of the Iran hostage release deal that's going on right now. We're getting some hostages who've been held in Iran for several years. They're getting $6 billion back and I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. Clearly, this demonstrates how U.S. citizens are becoming pawns in the geopolitical and international diplomacy realm. You know, we used to not negotiate with terrorists, but nation states, rogue nation states, I think it's fair to label countries like Russia, China, and North Korea, they now realize the political as well as the financial gain in using U.S. citizens as pawns. Russia and China are warming up the bullpen. That's according to General Kelly, who's the air combat commander. Had him on the podcast back in February of 21. You want to check that episode out. I'll have that down below as well. But General Kelly, as well as General Wilsbach, who is now the Pacific Air Force commander, they're noting the increased Chinese boldness when coming to challenge U.S. flights, as well as the continued violation of Taiwanese airspace. Looking at this, you know, it could be one, just showcasing strength or trying to make a point. I think that is more the case when we're talking about Russia. We've obviously seen their army, their air force, and their navy been beaten down and was no match for what we thought it would have been, but they still have to maintain face back home. China, on the other hand, as we see them expand their arm into the Pacific and land grab, build islands, etc. This is most likely pushing the tests, testing the boundaries, seeing what they can get away with. In the newsletter I mentioned, you know, if you if you looked at those who've been murdered by terrorists over the years, Al Qaeda, ISIS, a lot of these victims look incredibly calm sitting there. And I think it's fair to say a lot of people ask, why wouldn't you fight back, do something? Well, these guys typically do mock executions dozens of times before the actual act goes down. So by the time they realize that this is the final one, there's nothing they can do about it. You can apply this same type of logic potentially with China and Russia as they continue to push the bounds and try and see what they can get away with or just condition everyone so that when the final act is about to happen, they're going to push across the line and kick it off. No one was ready. They just thought it was another act. On that note, China sailed right past the Philippines. The People's Liberation Army Navy Shandong Carrier Strike Group sailed, or sorry, sailed through the Philippine Sea. Meanwhile, Kim Jong-un, they had two ballistic missile launches while he was in the Sea of Japan when he was talking to Vladimir Putin over in Russia. And Taiwan noted 
a surge in PLA aircraft and the airspace. They had 28 violations on Wednesday. So always spicy over there. All right, Jemadar Air Force, Air Force Pilot Training, UPT 2.5, Undergraduate Pilot Training 2.5. If you've been following the bro chats over the past year, we've talked about pilot training a few times, specifically UPT 2.5. This has been the iterations the Air Force has been implementing over the years, trying to streamline and improve pilot training, trying to optimize it, ultimately to produce pilots faster and more efficiently. Now, UPT 2.5 has been fully implemented, according to Major General Quinn, who is the 19th Air Force Commander, and UPT 2.5 is just UPT. So this is what it is now from here on out. It's a program shift focused on self-paced learning, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, increased simulator time, trying to optimize the person and the performance so you save time and you save money. A big change out of this is after T6s, so after phase two, so you have phase one academics, phase two T6s, phase three, the advanced portion, which is going to be the T38 or the T1, T38, traditionally, if you're going fighter bomber, T1, if you're going to go to a heavy airframe. Now, after phase two, you will get your wings. That's a big deal in the Air Force. It means you're an Air Force pilot at that point. That traditionally did not occur until after the T38 or T1 phase. General Clark stated that traditional Attrition rate after T6s is incredibly low, but why not give them their wings now? I am the skeptic on this piece specifically because I think it's more or less a game to get more pilots faster or down the road be able to send someone straight from the T6 to a major weapon system. Maybe that's more efficient, but you're costing and cheating people out of airmanship and Rain's humble opinion when you're doing this. Right now, it doesn't look like a flow. There's really that much different. Someone who's involved might be able to chime in and pitch into the fight a little bit better. On the plus side, I think this is good. All my buddies who have actually gone and seen UPT 2.5 typically become believers. They say it's not perfect, but there does seem to be a lot of improvements. For instance, back in the day, it was a very strict syllabus. If you deviated from that syllabus, meaning you got an extra sim erroneously, or hey, the sim is open, I want to go jump in the sim. That could potentially create a syllabus deviation, which got briefed all the way up to the two-star. So little old second lieutenant who has a syllabus deviation, that gets briefed all the way up to the commander, which is insanity. Now, if little Johnny wants to jump in the sim because it's open, potentially there's a chance. Again, I'm not a syllabus expert with UPT 2.5 or just UPT now, but leveraging technology that exists today to enhance learning, I think, is a win. Two more stories as we get close to the end here. The B-2, if you checked out last week's episode or last week's newsletter, there was a, a blip about the B-2 landing in Norway as a strategic partnership. Well, it turns out the B-2 made another stop and it did it at Lodges Field in Portugal, which is a routine stopping point going to or from the United States to Europe for most fighters. This pairs again with B-2's arrival in Norway last, last week to do some hot pit operations. Obviously, this is showing a strategic partnership with these various countries. I don't think it's necessarily a capability demonstration like the first article claimed. Stopping and getting gas is really not that exciting. Wrapping up here, a Royal Air Force RC-135 rivet joint. So that is a reconnaissance platform with about 30 people on it. We fly them in the United States. The Brits fly them and several other partner nations fly them as well. Well, last year, I had forgotten about this. A Su-27 fighter jet shot at it. At the time, Russian clay, Russia claimed it was a malfunction. Turns out it was not the case. Turns out 
the Su-27 that shot at this RC-135 rivet joint did so thinking they had permission. So it looks like we might have gotten lucky skipping the start of World War III last year. That would have been a little spicy to say the least. Flash and I talked about this on his episode when we were discussing the Russian fighter that hit our drone over the Black Sea. People often think these pilots have everything dialed in, but ultimately, you know, the average age in here is 25, 30, 35 years old. At the tactical level, they can make a decision. They can do something that has a strategic global impact very quickly. So something to think about. Hey, if you liked this content, if you like this format, let me know. Make sure you're following the show over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rather, and Spotify. And again, drop a rating review, send me an email, leave me some feedback. If you're on Spotify, you can actually leave feedback directly on the platform there. So make sure you're subscribing to the newsletter, and I'm out.